Greetings, Seriously Planners. I have a book that I'm super, super excited to talk to you about. And the reason I'm doing it over audio rather than the usual video we do is I went on vacation last week uh, for a couple of days, took a nature walk, and I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, but my eyes swelled up, I broke up in hives, and um, I'm not quite ready for the camera quite yet, but I did really want to talk to you about this book. and. I miss doing these audio stories, and so I thought, let me tell you over audio instead. And it seems fitting because the book I want to tell you about is Big Friendship by two of my favorite podcasters, Anne Friedman and Amina Tuso, who have the incredible, incredible podcast, highly recommended if you haven't heard it, called Call Your Girlfriend. And their first book is out on July 14th. I was lucky I got an arc of the book before the book released. Um, and, I, and it, the book is called Big Friendship, and I absolutely loved it. It is, um, I actually got a digital copy, and I um, ordered a copy of the book as well because I want a physical copy. This book is an exploration of big friendships, and they call big friendships bonds of deep significance and dimensions that are deeply important to the participants who are in them, to the participants who are in them, their lives. And they explore friendship through describing their own friendship, which has lasted more than a decade. And interspersed with those descriptions are um, their questions, their explorations, their storytelling, a lot of cultural commentary. There are um, historians in here, there are psychologists, there are therapists, there's a ton of research. And if you've read Committed by Elizabeth Gilbert or more recently, How to Fall in Love with Anyone by Mandy Lee Catron. This book reminds me of that, but it's about friendship. And it goes through their origin story, the development of their friendships with the growth and changes of their professional personal lives through moves, through relationships and health changes, and how their friendship very nearly breaks up and how they then develop a more solid base to their friendship, which I imagine like any long-term relationship is probably not done growing and they will continue to learn and expand and go through conflict and stretch and grow in the next decade of their friendship. It's gonna to continue to have hiccups. And I don't know about you, what was so fascinating with this book, I mean, it's very, very well done, but what was really fascinating for me and I kept thinking about as I was reading this book is I had never read a book about friendship. I've read fiction books about friendship, um, often about the relationship between two best friends. Um, we all sort of went through our Elena Ferrante phase, but there's lots of books. The Island of Sea Women is another book I read last year that I really loved. And there's many, many other books that explore female friendship really well. But in terms of the nonfiction books that helps you think about how to be a better friend, um, I can't think of another book like this. Last week, I was... Um, deeply obsessed with getting through as fast as possible the episodes of the babysitters club that netflix just put out and that is a wonderful exploration of group friendship um, and the tensions that emerge in you know a 12 year old's lives or 13 i'm not exactly sure this all those characters are i'm convinced that show was had teen characters but was really for the adults who grew who read those books as a child like me but i digress um, yeah, I've just never read a female, uh, a nonfiction book about friendship. I'm married and I've read lots about being in a committed romantic relationship. 
And I'm always pointing out things to my partner that I find interesting, whether it's Instagram posts or blog posts or books or podcast episodes. Um, I seem to just have a radar for but I really don't think I've read another nonfiction book. And I and I hone on this point because it just seems so strange to me that friendship is such a deeply important part of my life. How have I not come across um, books about the topic? But I'm glad this book exists now. And so what I want to talk to you about today is the book, share some of my takeaways. And I'm curious, when you read this book, if you've already read this book, what your own thoughts are. I've made a cup of tea. I'm excited to chat. And so the first thing I really want to talk about is friendship and how it has been either supported by the institution of of marriage or threatened by it. And this is something that really struck me about this book, is their description of why it is that we've been so kind of poorly equipped to think about friendship. And the book talks about how, depending on the time period we're in, we are taught or not taught to value friendship as a long-term commitment that women are often taught, or there's certainly a a broader societal kind of unspoken script, that friends are important, but can be and really should be superseded, superseded or abandoned by romantic partnerships. Your family, you have a long time, lifelong commitment to. Your partner, you ideally have a lifelong relationship with. But your friends, you're sort of told, perhaps not so many ways, but you are kind of told they're not as important. Your friends you can fade from, you can ghost from. There's no real moment where you sit a friend down that you want to break up with and say, it's time for us to part ways. There's no really friendship breakup that happens for the most part. And in, But this is something that has changed over time. So in the book, they talk about in Western societies, marriages used to be for primarily economic reasons, for community solidarities. Elizabeth Gilbert makes her this point as well in her book. And in such marriages, friendships were much more important for people emotionally. Your spouse was just one person in your world, and you had a whole range of emotional needs, and there were a whole bunch of people in your life that were helping meet those emotional needs. But in this book, in Big Friendship, they chart out different time periods and how marriage was conceptualized and how friendship was conceptualized in different time periods. And they say that in the late 19th century, you see the rise of companion marriage. This is the idea that I married my best friend, you know, the Harry met Sally, scenario where men and women get to know each other as friends perhaps immediately perhaps over a long span of time they finally fall in love and this idea this concept of romantic love was really a blow to um, same-sex friendships which were seen as kind of a threat to to heteroromantic partnerships so women had this idea that yes you have friends but then when you find someone to marry you abandon those friendships and you devote yourself to home. They reference the work of of historian Stephanie Kuntz a lot in this section of the book, who says that there was this idea that you abandon your friendships on your wedding day, and then you devote yourself to hearth and home. And Kuntz and her work interviews women who grew up in the 50s and 60s, where they expressed a lot of sadness over this and said that when their friends are married, they had nothing to talk about with their friends anymore. And Kuntz also says uh, it's not just um, women that were that you know suffered in this regard male friendships as well were really off the table men were expected to get any emotional support they needed from their wives not from other men and i thought this was so interesting because you certainly there's certainly things that you can read nowadays about how um men who have a a partner that passes away um suffer in terms of meeting their emotional needs they don't have the there is a real decline in male friendships um 
And it was interesting to think of some potential reasons for that. And that it's not, of course, uniform. Kuhn says this change is that, yeah, with women increasingly returning to the workforce and people of all genders figuring out how romantic and love and friendship can exist together and that we're still figuring this out, that this is the moment we're in now. And so within this context, this is where this book emerges. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that um, particular narration of a friendship and, and some of the challenges that might exist towards friendship today. The other part of the book that I thought was super interesting was a section of the book that talked about shine theory. And this is a key friendship principle for both authors where they say shine theory is a mutual investment over the long term in helping a friend be their best. And when they first wrote about this concept, they say it really became a viral thing. They saw it in everything from classrooms being taught to sort of really gross female empowerment, capitalist versions of the concept. And they've had to really protect this concept as you know their own intellectual property. But it's a really it's really about rejecting competitive tendencies and cheerleading for one another. They describe it as a practice of cultivating a spirit of genuine happiness and excitement when our friends are doing well and being there for them when they aren't, about building, bringing our full selves into a relationship and not letting insecurity ravage. And there's some parts of this that just sound wonderful. Uh, they talk about bringing bridal shower levels of excitement to a friend's accomplishments, helping friends getting salary increases, pooling resources, pooling content. And it's important because um, it's about helping friends succeed and unlocking systems. They call it the kind of the alternative old boys club, the alternative to the power networks that exist in, say, private school systems. It's about shifting power, and it's particularly important for people who don't look like the traditional power players. And so this might look like helping a friend access mental health support, encouraging a friend to seek counseling, to find a great therapist, to change jobs, to commiserate over toxic workplaces. And that there are real threats to having friendships that are rooted in, in this desire to see one another shine. And some of those threats are that opportunities, can we can either see them as limited or they can really be limited because there are limited spaces for particular types of bodies in particular spaces. And sometimes that's actually true or sometimes we can just feel that's true because of our experiences. And I just thought this part of the book was such a thoughtful I mean, the whole book is thoughtful, but it really, it doesn't say like, here are all the simple ways that you can be a great friend and cheerlead your friends. And there's no challenges to doing that. And it also doesn't say that, you know, female friendship is so complicated because women are inherently competitive. It says, no, neither of those narratives are true. And here we are, this is a a friendship principle that we deeply hold dear. And this is how we're trying to enact it in our lives. And I love it. And I'm really excited about thinking about shine theory more in my friendships. And the key thing is it's mutual investment. So it's not just about, and it's over the long term, they call it a long game. And that you cannot be someone who is, you can be someone who connects lots of different people, but in terms of really deeply cheerleading your friends, it's something that can, is inherently, um, can only be done with a certain number of people because it's a deep investment. And it changes as your career changes, as your professional life changes but it has to be neutral. The third part of the book that I thought was super interesting, and again, none of these sections, these aren't necessarily particular takeaways of mine, but things that I'm, questions that I'm holding, things that I'm still thinking about as I've read the book. And the next section is one of those areas. This book does a phenomenal job talking about interracial friendships. And they talk about their own relationship, their own friendship between, you know, Amina Tussauds is black and Friedman is white. 
and how they've navigated that through their relationship. And they talk about their origin story, which is really they saw themselves as deeply similar people. They meet at this Gossip Girl viewing party, um, and they have all these incredible similarities to as the friendship develops, they see that actually there's quite a lot of divergence between them. And, um, and one of those things is race. And I just commend them for being so honest about the challenges of that, um, the, the things that trip you up, the thing that you feel like you don't have to be wary of because you're with your friend, but then you do have to be wary of because um, your friend hasn't gone through the same experiences as you. And the way this book is written is they wrote it together. It's not like um, one person wrote one chapter, another person wrote another. It's that they are writing it together in sections that are particular to one person's experiences then says their name. And, and so that's really interesting in this chapter because you have each of them writing different things. And they talk about, they refer to the work of Wesley Morris, who, if you've heard the podcast Still Processing, um, he is one of the hosts on that show, does incredible cultural commentary work, but they refer to his idea of the trapdoor of racism and that it's there, you kind of forget, but you can get stuck in it. And they tell this story of, I'm gonna, of Anne Holt hosting or being at a birthday party that it's not exactly her party, but it's at her house, I think, is the scenario. And Amina, too, um, attends the party and realizes at the party that she's the only black person there. And Amina, too, notices and wants and to say something and to be the one who brings it up and say that this was really uncomfortable for you, but she never brings it up and it creates this wedge in a relationship that at that point already is experiencing a lot of strain. And it's complicated and she finally does bring it up and that, that brings up a whole bunch of other things. And it also has Anne's feelings about her feelings at that moment, how she feels navigating this relationship, how it is really complicated navigating race in a, in a friendship versus your own kind of external politics where you can very clearly see when white supremacy shows up, when like racism shows up, and when all these big things show up in the world and in politics, in in a whole bunch of other structures, but when it shows up in your interpersonal relationships in these small, intimate moments, it's more subtle and it can be harder to see and it produces sort of defensiveness in us. And I just thought it was like very honest and very uh, helpful the way they describe that. And, and and so many takeaways in this section, Amina too describes like the feeling of having to modulate emotion when you're talking to someone, um, to a white friend and not wanting to like upset them or seem too stressed out and how that is like a, a burden that you don't necessarily need to carry or feel like you have to carry or want to carry and, and at the same time that this is a friendship and so it's not just a relationship of asking someone to do work it's like a person that you both people deeply care about one another and how that is complicated and it just like it's phenomenally done and um I just really love this section and it's connected I mean a big thing with this book is kind of one of my other takeaways is just this idea of stretching and they talk in this book about the devotion that long-term friendship big friendships require that often we may change life stages or we move or we get sick or whatever happens and our friendships change we leave a job and and inevitably like the friendship we move away from a friendship and that it is like really hard to stay in a relationship when the circumstances not even the circumstances have changed, but just that it requires a different level of stretching in order to do that. And in 
in this book, they describe stretching as something like you need to do when you're exercising. It's hard. It makes your limbs more flexible. Um, but it's like a difficult activity and that there's stretching that happens in a friendship as well, where um, sometimes one person is stretching more than the other, but over time you need to see stretch from both people and that stretch is what makes that friendship possible. And I think this is a helpful concept for all kinds of relationships, from work relationships, um, from friendships, from family, from romantic love. Um, and I thought the metaphor they used of stretching to be really helpful to think about like when do sometimes you don't want to make the stretch and that's where friendships sort of fade away or you see that the other person isn't stretching and so friendships fade away but that to sustain something it's not just the the ease of the origin story you have it is really sustained work and which is what I'm learning learned from this book and I'm learning from relationships overall is they just take a lot of work and yeah I, I think some of these concepts stretching shine theory all of these things are things that I really want to take with me from this book and and hopefully help me think about relationships in a new way and what is so different from the concept of stretching is um how we often get to know people or keep in touch with people in our modern age you know through social media where you may not may not be in that high school anymore you may not be in that university program anymore but you still are connected to people through the interwebs and they talk about how like just peering on someone's life or seeing their their updates um, can make you feel really bad, but when you are engaged in conversation, when you're commenting, when you're sending messages, that is a different form of relating and has a different impact on you. And so there isn't something in this book about like social media bad, in-person contact is good. It's really saying like, actually, life is complicated and big and we don't necessarily, I mean, in this book, a lot of the relationship is like long distance, even the tagline of the podcast is for long distance besties everywhere. Um, and so they don't have this like hard rule over social media, but they do have a, some observations about like how do we relate with each other over social media. And just their whole discussion of like how they navigate a long-term relationship that they also are running a business um, with each other. And that business is a podcast about friendship. And at times the friendship has not gone very well is just fascinating. And finally, I think my last takeaway is their kind of reflections about what long-term friendship is it and what it requires is that it requires ritual and that might be the ritual of like I think they have like a friend who sends them a poem every day it could be the ritual of an annual getaway um there are lots of rituals like consonant relationship um the reassurance that you are there for one another um that can happen even in the small moments when you tell a friend like you got the meal this time I'll get the meal the next time um, or you talk about the kinds of friends you'll be when you're like 70 all those things that we are signaling to one another that we are here for the long term. And then really openness about problems, about appreciations, about gratitudes, all those things, those three ritual reassurance and openness are things that help cement our relationships and keep them strong and healthy. Those are some of the things that stuck, stood out for me from this book. Um, there are so many things in this book. It is such a rich book. Um, my Kindle copy just has like highlighted note after highlighted note after highlighted note. Um, I'm really excited about getting the paper copy so that I can mark it up and um, get it crinkly and probably tear-stained and highlighted and written in the margins. I definitely recommend this book. Um, if you have a close friend that you have a deep friendship with, I super recommend reading it with that friend and using it as a way to talk to one another. Yeah, this is my, I, I gave this book five stars. I think it's incredible and
and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So till next time, this is Sugar Flip from Seriously Planning. Do um, like the episode, share the episode, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to the SoundCloud page, do all the things. And I will see you next time with another great read.